This is Holden Karnofsky doing an amateur read-through of my blog post, Rowing, Steering, Equity, Mutiny. This post interrupts the series called Has Life Gotten Better to talk a bit about why it matters, what long-run trends in quality of life look like. I think different people have radically different pictures of what it means to work toward a better world. I think this explains a number of the biggest chasms between people who think of themselves as well-meaning but don't see the other side that way. And I think different pictures of where the world is heading by default are key to the disagreements. Imagine that the world is a ship. Here are four very different ways one might try to do one's part in working toward a better life for the people on the ship. Then I have a table. So the first one is rowing, and the meaning in the analogy is help the ship reach its current destination faster. The meaning in the world would be advanced science, technology, economic growth, in order to help the world do whatever it wants to do, or help people do whatever they want to do more and faster. That's rowing. Then we have steering. The meaning in the analogy is navigate to a better destination than the current one, and the meaning in the world is anticipate future states of the world and act accordingly. So those could be climate change, transformative AI, utopia, dystopia. That's steering. Then we have equity. The meaning in the analogy is work toward more fair and just relations between people on the ship. And the meaning in the world is redistribution, advocacy focused on the underprivileged, etc. That's equity. And then finally, we have mutiny. The meaning in the analogy is challenge the ship's whole premise and power structure, and the meaning in the world is radically challenge the world's current systems, such as capitalism, which has very different meanings according to different people, as I say in a footnote. Now, which of these is the right way to improve the world? One of the things I like about the ship analogy is that it leaves the answer to this question totally unclear. The details of where the ship is currently trying to go, and why, and who's deciding that, and what they're like, matter enormously for whether it's best to be rowing or steering or doing equity or mutiny. Depending on those details, any of the four could be by far the most important and meaningful way to make a positive difference. If the ship is the world, then where are we headed by default? What happens if we have more total technology, wealth, power over our environment to do whatever we want to do? Who has the power to change that, and how is it going? These are important questions with genuinely unclear answers, so people with different assumptions about these deep questions get along very poorly with each other. I think this sort of taxonomy provides a different angle on people's differences from the usual discussions of pro- or anti-government interventionism. Next, I will give some somewhat more detailed thoughts on the case for and against each of these pictures of improving the world. This is not so much to educate the reader as to help them understand where I stand and why I have some of the unusual views I do. I talk about the track record of each category. A lot of the point of this analogy is to highlight the importance of big-picture judgments about history and the track record of how each of rowing, steering, equity, and mutiny has gone so far. Next section, rowing. Rowing is a contentious topic, and it's contentious in a way that I think cuts across other widely recognized ideological lines. The question is, how valuable is it to work toward increased economic growth, faster scientific and technological advancement, and generally more total wealth and capabilities available to humanity in aggregate? To some people, this seems like the single most promising way to make the world a better place. People and institutions who give off this vibe include tech entrepreneurs, VCs such as Mark Andreessen with his It's Time to Build essay, Patrick Collison with Progress Studies, 
libertarianish academics such as Tyler Cowen, Alex Tabarrok. They have a link to some of their books that give a sense of this. Many institutions and funders dedicated to general speeding up of science, such as the Moore Foundation, Howard Hughes Medical Institute, CZI Biohub, the Global Development World, nonprofits such as Center for Global Development, institutions such as the World Bank, which seek to help developing countries develop. This generally includes a large, though not exclusive, focus on economic growth. I sometimes see rowing-oriented arguments tagged as pro-market or even libertarian, but I think that's not a necessary connection. You could argue, and many do, that a lot of the biggest and most important contributions to global growth and technological advancement come from governments, particularly via things like scientific research funding, DARPA, development-oriented agencies like the IMF, and public education. To many people, though, advocacy for rowing seems like it's best understood as a veneer of pro-social rhetoric disguising mundane personal attempts to get rich, even to the point where the wealthy create an intellectual ecosystem to promote the idea that what makes them rich is also good for the world. On priors, I think that's a totally reasonable view. In practice, a lot of the folks most interested in rowing are venture capitalists, tech founders, etc., who sure seem to have spent most of their lives primarily interested in getting rich. And I concede it's suspiciously convenient that their story about how to make the world better seems to indicate that the best thing to do is focus on creating wealth, which usually aligns extremely well with getting rich, just like they are. Furthermore, the logic of why rowing would be good seems to have some gaps in it. It's not obvious on priors that more total wealth or total scientific capability makes the world better. When thinking about the direct impacts of wealth and tech on quality of life, it seems about as easy to come up with harms as benefits. Clear benefits include lower burden of disease, less hunger, more reproductive choice and freedom, better entertainment, tastier food, other things that one might call directly or superficially pleasurable, more ability to encounter many ideas and choose from many candidate lifestyles and locations. But there are clear potential costs, including environmental damage, rising global catastrophic risks, rising inequality, a world that is chaotically changing, causing all sorts of novel psychological and other challenges for individuals and communities, and many of the obvious dimensions along which wealth and technology make life more convenient do not clearly make life better. If wealth and technology save us time, for example, reducing the need to do household chores, we might just be spending the saved time on other things that don't make our lives better, such as competing with each other for wealth and status. So these concerns seem valid, in theory, and they apply particularly to rowing. If someone works toward equity, there could be a number of criticisms one levels at them, but issues like this one don't seem to apply. However, in my view, the best case for rowing is something like, we don't know why, but it seems to actually be going well. If I were back in the year zero trying to guess whether increasing wealth and technological ability would be good or bad for quality of life, I would consider it far from obvious. But empirically, it seems that the world has been improving over the last couple hundred years, and I link to my post where I lay out why I think that is. That said, it is much less clear how things were going in the several hundred thousand years before the Industrial Revolution. So, my current take on rowing is something like, despite all the suspicious aspects, I think there is a good case for rowing. I don't understand where the ship is going or why things are working the way they are. Maybe the ship happens to be pointed toward warmer or calmer latitudes. But rowing seems to have made life better for the vast majority of people over the last couple hundred years, and will likely continue to do so by default, over at least the next few decades. On the other hand, I don't think the track record is so good as to assume that rowing will always be good, and I'm particularly worried and uncertain about how things will go if there is a dramatic acceleration in the rate of progress. 
And I link to my uh, series of posts called The Most Important Century that talk about that possibility. I'm inclined to approach such a prospect with caution rather than excitement. Next section, steering. Steering sounds great in theory. Instead of blindly propelling the world toward wherever it's going via increased technology and wealth, etc., let's think about where we want the world to end up and take actions based on that. But I think this is currently the least common conception of how to do good in the world. The idea of utopia is unpopular, more in a future piece, and in general, it seems that anyone advocating action on the basis of a specific goal over the long-run future, like anything more than 20 years out, is generally met with a lot of skepticism. The most mainstream example of steering is probably working to prevent or mitigate climate change. This isn't about achieving an end state for the world, but it is about avoiding a specific outcome that is decades away, and even that level of specific planning about the long-run future is something we don't see a lot of in today's intellectual discourse. I think the long-termist community, and I have a link there, has an unusual degree of commitment to steering. One could even see long-termism as an attempt to resurrect interest in steering by taking a different approach from previous steering-heavy worldviews, such as communism, that have fallen out of favor. Long-termists seek out specific interventions and events that they think could change the direction of the long-run future. They are particularly interested in helping to better navigate a potential transition brought on by advanced AI, the idea being that if AI ends up being a sort of new species more powerful than humans, navigating the development of AI could end up avoiding bad results that last for the rest of time. It's common for long-termists to take an interest in differential technological development, meaning that instead of being pro or anti-technological advancement, they have specific views on which technologies would be good to develop as quickly as possible versus which would be good to develop as slow as possible, or at least until we've developed other technologies that can make them safer. It seems to me that this sort of thinking is relatively rare outside the long-termist community. It's more common for people to be pro or anti-science as a whole. Now, why is it relatively rare for people to be interested in steering, as defined here? I think it is mostly for good reasons, and comes down to the fact that the track record of steering-type work looks unimpressive. There are some specific embarrassing cases, such as historical communism, which explicitly claimed to aim at a particularly long-term utopian vision. There is also just a lack of salient, or maybe any, examples of people successfully anticipating and intervening on some particular world development more than 10 or 20 years away. People and organizations in the long-termist community have tried to find examples, and in my opinion, they haven't come up with a ton, and there's a footnote there. Despite this, I'm personally very bullish on the kind of steering that the long-termist community is trying to do, and I'm also sold on the value of climate change prevention and mitigation. The main reason for this is that I think defining long-run consequential events of the future are more foreseeable now than they've been in the past. Climate change and advanced AI are both developments that seem highly likely this century and seem likely to have such massive global consequences that action in advance makes sense. More broadly, I think it is easier than it used to be to scan across possible scientific and technological developments and point to the ones most worth preparing for. In the analogy, I'm essentially saying that there are particular important obstacles or destinations for the ship that we can now see clearly enough that steering becomes valuable. By contrast, in many past situations, I think we were out on the open sea, such that it was too hard to see much about what lay ahead of us, and this led to the dynamic in which rowing has worked better than steering. Other reasons that I'm bullish on steering are that A, I think today's steering folks are making better, more rigorous attempts at predicting the future than people who have tried to make long-run predictions in the past. 
B, I think steering has become a generally neglected way of thinking about the world at the same time as it has become more viable. And I have a footnote on why I think today's predictions are better and more rigorous than the past ones. Now, with that said, I think there's plenty of room for long-termists to do a better job than they are contending with the limits of how well we can steer and what kinds of interventions are most likely to successfully improve how things go. I think our ship draws close to some major crossroads, such that navigating them could define the rest of our journey. If I'm right, focusing on rowing to the exclusion of steering is a real missed opportunity. Next section, equity. Of the four different visions of what it means to improve the world, equity seems the most straightforward and familiar. It is about directly trying to make the world more just and fair, rather than trying to increase total options and wealth, and rather than trying to optimize for some particular future event. Equity includes efforts to redistribute resources progressively from rich to poor, whether via direct charity or via advocacy, amplify the voices and advance the interests of historically marginalized groups, including women, people of color, people born in low-income countries, improve products and services aimed at helping people who would be underserved by default, including via education reform and improvement and scientific research, such as the Global Health R&D funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which is directly targeted at especially underserved areas as opposed to just trying to accelerate science. You could argue that successful equity work also contributes to the goals of rowing and even steering if a world with less inequality is also one that's better positioned for broad-based economic growth and for anticipating and preparing for particular important events. But work whose proximate goal is equity tends to look different from work whose proximate goal is rowing or steering. Most people recognize equity-oriented work as coming from a place of good intentions and genuine interest in making the world better. To the extent that equity-oriented work is controversial, it often stems from, first, arguments that it undermines its own goals, for example, arguments that advocating for a higher minimum wage could result in greater unemployment, thus hurting the interests of the low-income people that a higher minimum wage is supposed to help, and arguments that it undermines rowing, and that rowing is an ultimately more important or promising way to help everyone. The book Dead Aid is an example of this sort of argument. I picked it for vividness rather than quality. I've talked about the track record of rowing and steering. I'll comment briefly on that of equity. In short, I think it's very good. I think that much of the progress the world has seen is fairly hard to imagine without significant efforts at both rowing and equity, major efforts to both increase wealth and capabilities and to distribute them more evenly. Civil rights movements, social safety nets, and foreign aid all seem like huge wins and major parts of the story for why the world seems to have gotten better over time. With that track record in mind, and the fact that equity interventions are common sense good, uh, I am very positive on equity-oriented interventions, or at least many of them. Next section, mutiny. Mutiny looks good if your premises are the opposite of the rowers. You might think that the world today operates under a broken system, and or that we fundamentally have the wrong sorts of people and or institutions in power. If this is your premise, it implies that what we tend to count as progress particularly increased wealth and technological capabilities, is liable to make things worse, or at least not better. Instead, the most valuable thing we can do, according to this view, is get at the root of the issue and change the fundamental way that power is exercised and resources are allocated. Unlike steering, mutiny is not about anticipating some particular future event or world state. Instead, it's about rethinking and reforming the way the world operates and the way decisions are made. Instead of focusing on where the ship is headed, it's focused on who's running the ship. That's mutiny versus steering. 
This framework often emerges in criticisms of charity, philanthropy, and or effective altruism that point to the paradox of trying to make the world better using money obtained from participating in a problematic slash capitalist system. Or it also emerges occasionally in pieces by philanthropists themselves on the importance of challenging the fundamental paradigms the world is operating in. I give a bunch of examples with links and footnotes and just a list of those. And then often but not always people in the mutiny category identify with or at least use language that is evocative of socialism or Marxism. Of the four categories, mutiny is the one I feel most unsatisfied with my understanding of. It seems that people use language about fundamental systems change to sometimes mean something tangible, radical, and revolutionary, like the abolition of private property, but sometimes they mean something that seems much more modest, and that I would classify more as equity, such as working toward greatly increased redistribution of wealth, and sometimes they mean neither. They mean a particular emotional or tonal attitude unaccompanied by any distinctive policy platform, and I give an example of that in a footnote. It's often unclear which of the three they mean. A is the one I'm trying to point out with the mutiny idea. That would be tangible, radical, and revolutionary ideas like the abolition of private property. It's also the one that seems to go best with claims that it's problematic to participate in capitalism and then do philanthropy. It's unclear to me how, say, running a hedge fund would undermine the other ones, would undermine wanting more redistribution of wealth or something like that. I'm currently skeptical of this vision of mutiny because, first, I haven't heard much in the way of specific proposals for how the existing system could be fundamentally reformed other than explicitly socialist and Marxist proposals such as the abolition of private property, which I don't support. Second, I am broadly sympathetic to, for an example, I link to Rob Wiblin's take on revolutionary change. He says, effective altruists are usually not radicals or revolutionaries, as is apparent from my list above. My attitude, looking at history, is that sudden dramatic changes in society usually lead to worse outcomes than gradual evolutionary improvements. I'm keen to tinker, this is all a quote, I'm keen to tinker with government or economic systems to make them work better, but would only rarely want to throw them out and rebuild from scratch. I personally favor maintaining and improving mostly market-driven economies, though some of my friends and colleagues hope we can one day do better. Regardless, this temperament for crossing the river by feeling the stones is widespread among effective altruists, and in my view, that's a great thing that can help us avoid the mistakes of extremists throughout history. The system could be a lot better, but one only need look at history to see that it could also be much worse, end quote. Third, as stated above, I broadly think that the world has made and continues to make astonishing positive progress, which doesn't put me in a place of wanting to burn down the existing order, at least without a clearer idea of what might replace it and why the replacement is promising. I'm particularly unsympathetic to claims that capitalism, or the existing system, is the root cause of global poverty. I think that global poverty is the default condition for humans, and the one that nearly all humans existed under until relatively recently. And I link to previous explanations why I think that. To be clear, I don't mean here to be advocating against all radical views. A radical view is anything that is well outside the Overton window, and I have many such views and I am sympathetic to many views that many might call anti-capitalist or revolutionary, such as that we should have dramatically more redistribution of wealth. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to some of the things that people might mean when they talk about needing to change the system, but I'm, I'm not currently sympathetic to the vision of mutiny described here. Next section, categorizing worldviews. Here's a mapping from some key combinations of rowing and equity and mutiny to familiar positions in current political discourse. And I'll say in a minute why I left out steering. So 
I have a table, and we have extreme Marxists who are against rowing, against equity, pro-mutiny. Then we have the radical left, which is against rowing, but for equity, for mutiny. Then we have the less radical, but still markets and growth skeptical left, which is pro-equity, anti-rowing, anti-mutiny. Then we have libertarians and economic conservatives who tend to be pro-rowing and anti-equity, anti-mutiny. And then we have neoliberals or the pro-market left who tend to be pro-rowing, pro-equity, anti-mutiny. I've left out steering because I see it as mostly orthogonal to and usually simply not present in most of today's political discourse. I've also left out worldviews that are positive on both rowing and mutiny. I think there are some worldviews that might be described this way, but they're fairly obscure. Finally, I've left out, and I, I haven't put a footnote to explain what I mean there, but I probably will add one by the time the post goes up. Finally, I've left out a worldview one might term anchoring, seeking to preserve the world as it is or revert it to how it was rather than pursuing change along any of the rowing, steering, equity, mutiny fronts. That could be negative on all four. This seems like the best fit to more traditional social conservative worldviews, but it's not a worldview that has a strong presence in discourse about how to improve the world, and I don't have enough to say about it to discuss it separately. Next section. So? We can make up categories and put people in them all day. What does this taxonomy give us? The main thrust for me is clarifying what people in different camps are disagreeing about, especially when they seem to be talking past each other by using completely different definitions of improving the world. I think this framework is also useful for highlighting the role of one's understanding of history in these disagreements. It's far from obvious, a priori, whether the best thing to work on is rowing, steering, equity, or mutiny, especially when we are so foggy on where a ship is heading by default. It really matters whether you think that increases in wealth and technological capability have had good effects so far, whether this has come about through deliberate planning or blind forging ahead, and whether there are particular reasons to expect the future to diverge from the past on these points. So accordingly, when confronting one camp from another, I think it's helpful, when possible, to be explicit about one's assumptions regarding how things have gone so far, and I link to my Has Life Gotten Better series, and regarding the broad track records of rowing, steering, equity, and mutiny. History doesn't give us clear prepackaged answers on these questions. Different people will look at the same history and see very different things. But I think it's good to have views on these matters, even if only lightly informed to start, and to look out for information about history that could revise them.